Yeah, it's a cactus today. We're getting a little bit of a pump in Bitcoin, 23,717, but that's not what we're going to talk about on this show because Bitcoin is not the center of attraction today. It's actually ETH and a whole lot of other um, altcoins and narratives which are going to explode in March. Now, you may ask, why am I talking about explosions when the whole market is scared because the market's coming down? That's what I'm going to show you this show. So while everyone's bearish, I'm going to show you the light. Fuck out of bed, bitch, go. get certain things i don't get certain things why would you take an hour out of your day to watch the worst channel in the world i don't get it i mean that's what jesse ray is doing the guy says worst channel dude why are you watching if they, you have nothing better to do than to watch the, than, than to to watch a show that you think is the best on the worst channel ever who knows who knows who knows crazy 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 anyway listen to those of you who think this is a good channel good morning welcome 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 we got a big show for you today actually I know that you 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 think it's boring out there, but we're almost in March, and a lot of things are going to happen in March, including something on ETH, which we have to talk about because it's happening like now, and we need to prepare our portfolios. It may actually be time to be buying ETH, and if we're buying ETH, what are we selling? That's one of the things we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Solana as well today. We're going to talk about some other altcoins today. We're going to talk about the macro. We're going to talk about the crypto bubbles and this little pump that we're getting but what's more important is not the pump it's if you look at what's what's pumping so like yes we're getting a pump but what is pumping because there's a reason why um everything's supposed to pump you see hex is up 21.2 percent stacks is up we're going to talk about stacks a lot you got neo up uh you got dydx actually breaking a trend sheldon just sent me the chart of dydx breaking a trend um you got some other trends being broken. So we've got a big show today. And then I've got some real juice for you. Really, really, really some juice. So listen, what I need you to do, you know what you need to do. Like this content. Let me know in the comments whether you think the market is going up or down. Just for the record, I think the market's going up. We'll talk about that in a second. But you let me know what you think. Also, I want to just put this uh, Rolex thing to bed once and for all. So we are drawing the Rolex. But we want to do it in, in the most fair way possible, okay? Now, we tried to do it last week, but then you guys told us what we did was a little bit unfair. And you, you were right. You, you were right. So we've decided to do the following. Tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. What, when is the 28th? Tomorrow is the 28th, right? So tomorrow. Just after the show tomorrow, on the Discord, on the Crypto Banter Discord, there's a, refer, there's a link below. It's a Crypto Banter Discord. We are going to drop 10 accounts from Bybit and 10 accounts from BitKit that have opened an account using any Crypto Banter referral link and have done trades we're going to drop 10 accounts the first person to correctly verify his account or her account gets the rolex one for one for buy one for bitget and one for bybit that's the bybit rolex that's the bitget rolex today's the last day you got 24 hours left to go if you want to win you got 24 hours left to go to open an account and to put through one trade you do that well then you can be one of the people that actually gets to win all right listen so let's not waste any more time uh, because I have spent four minutes and 25 seconds of your uh, precious time and I haven't given you any alpha in four minutes and 25 seconds, which means that now I've got less four minutes and 25 seconds to actually bring you alpha. So let's get straight into the alpha. Let's start off with Bitcoin. Um, look, a lot of people are panicking about the macro and I'm not. And I'm going to show, tell you why I'm not really panicking. You saw Bitcoin going down to 22, 20. Just look at what the bottom was. I wasn't really watching it. 22,000. I didn't see 22,456. Let's we could just check that. 
wow, we had a candle to 22,467. I didn't see that. I must have been asleep. But what you're seeing now is you are seeing the bounces which are happening very quickly. And if you look at this pattern over here, everyone's looking at the pattern. But how many of you actually saw that you do have this upward trend, which is just making higher low, higher low, higher low? You can kind of see it. And for me, I'm happy with that trend. I'm happy that, yes, we're go it's not going to be a straight line up. It's, we're not going to, you can't imagine there's going to be a straight line up. But you can see that we're still keeping the higher lows and that the trend is still up. And if we break that trend, then I'm going to reevaluate. But for now, what I'm seeing is that despite the macroeconomic environment or what happened on Friday, I'm seeing that crypto is still bullish. And I'll show you in a couple of seconds how crypto has decorrelated from the stock markets and decorrelated from the, um, the US stock markets and the US uh, bond markets. Okay, then we also are heading for the monthly close of Bitcoin. In fact, tomorrow is the monthly close of Bitcoin. Let's see where we're going to land up. So wait, I saw that this must have changed now because, okay, so if we go to our um, monthly chart, what you can see is January, we were up 39.63% for Bitcoin. February, we're still up 2.48%. Tomorrow is the last day of this February thing. Let's see where this February close is actually going to be. So that's one of the charts that we're going to watch. ETH also doing very well, but more importantly, we're going to look at the ETH BTC chart because that has broken a huge trend. And that trend has been going since, um, uh, it's actually been going for quite a long time, but more recently, this trend has been going since January. And we've now broken through that trend. And it's not a coincidence, not a coincidence, that we broke through the trend on the month of the Shanghai upgrade or one month before the Shanghai upgrade. What does that mean? Usually, remember, the charts tell you the story ahead of the news, right? The chart just broke a trend. That means that the news is going to follow. So now let's look at what is this news that is going to follow. The one chart that I am a little bit worried about, a little bit worried about, and I'm not panicking about it. You know, I'm not sitting here taking Xanax yet, but I am a little bit worried about this Dixie chart. I was hoping that the Dixie chart would bounce off this, this resistance here and carry on on this merry little way on the downtrend, but that's not happening, unfortunately. You see, right now, you got this trend line. We were hoping that Dixie would stay below that, but now the dollar is pretty strong. In fact, right now, uh, under 105, so right now, as we speak, 104.826, which is good. That is why the um, the the uh, Bitcoin started moving, because I've been watching this all day. All day, this has been above uh, 105. And as you can see, you see, all day it's been above 105. I'm looking now at the hourly chart. It was, it was even as high as 105.3. Now it's back at um, 104.839. So that, that's good. We are watching this chart. This is quite a hairy chart. This, 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 this chart can, can come and bite us. We, and we don't want to be bitten. Very important that we don't get bitten. So this chart is the one that can actually bite us. All right, let's look at the altcoins. So you have Hex up 20.5%. Congratulations to any Hexicans that are here. You have Neo, the Chinese blockchain, up 10.4%. You have Stacks up 21.2%. But that's not important. In the last month, Stacks up 213%. We're going to talk about that because that could be ushering in a new narrative, which we're going to talk about. Talk about whether or not you should be buying it. XEM, it's NEM. I tried to find out why NEM is pumping. Couldn't find one reason for it to pump. So um, I don't know. Maybe our researchers aren't as good as they used to be. I don't know. We have to, we have to test the system here. Um, but we couldn't find out why it's pumping. Also, what you need to see here is, I see the likes aren't pumping as well. Am I, am I correct in saying the likes aren't pumping here, Josh? Is it? That's, that's ridiculous. That is. First of all, we started the stream. People were saying it's the worst channel in the world. Now people are not smashing the like button. Any, I mean, if this kind of behavior carries on, we're going to have to end the show abruptly. Abruptly. We're going to have to abruptly end the show. Abruptly. Okay. So um, those are the altcoins that are running. Um, yes. Pump the like button. Smash the like button. I can see I can see by the number of people here that, that, that no one's excited. No one's excited about the show anymore. We're not the worst. All right. Let's talk about what's going on on the macro. So we had Friday's PCE numbers. You remember that the Friday PCE numbers weren't so great. We expected them to be low and they weren't as low as we expected them. So the whole market started to panic. The whole market started to panic. The bond yield started to go up. The Dixie started to strengthen. The stock markets went down. And when the stock markets went down, they kind of took crypto down with them, the American stock markets. And now this whole narrative is that people are worried that inflation is rearing its ugly head. And if inflation rears its ugly head, 
then what the Fed's going to have to do is the Fed's going to continue to increase interest rates. And maybe this problem is not behind us. Now, as it stands now, we have a the probabilities of a 50 basis point rate hike. Let's quickly just go there quickly. A 50 basis point rate hike. I was watching this this morning and it went, this was actually much higher. It was like, it, it was at 35% at a 50 basis point rate hike. Now it's at, at 25%. So it does feel like the market is starting to, to price back to 25 basis points. I do think that we will see a 50 basis point rate hike now in March. But there's a whole lot of things that happened before that. The first thing that happens before that is there are Fed speakers today, this week. Let's listen to the Fed speakers and see what their tone is. Okay, that's that's one of the things that, that we need to be looking at. That's the first thing we need to look at. The second thing is that we need to look at, we need to look at the opinion of the market. Because some people believe that the bad inflation data was temporary and that in the next inflation reading, actually what's going to happen is we're going to go down on the inflation reading and everything is going to be under control. Now, the good news for us, the good news for us is the next FOMC meeting, as you can see here, is on the 22nd of March. But before the next FOMC meeting, we have the next CPI. So on the 14th of March, we have the next CPI reading. That means that we have one additional data point before the next FOMC meeting, which is amazing. So that means that Okay, if we had a high inflation and a high PCE, which is what we had, we do have one more chance to redeem ourselves. So if the inflation numbers, which will be released on the 14th, which is one week and one day before the FOMC meeting, are low, then this number goes back to 25 basis points. Everyone's happy, the markets are happy, and, and markets start running. But unfortunately, if the inflation numbers aren't so good, then we have a problem. Now, I saw this. It's very hard to estimate inflation one month uh, before. Um, but I did see this. US CPI, which is due on the 14th of March, we said that. They're expecting it to go to 5.9% from 6.4%. Now, if that happens, then the 50 basis point rate hike gets thrown out the window. The Dixie goes back under the trend line and everyone's happy. So we have to watch... The next real data point for us, look, there are jobless claims this week, but that's not the big data point yet. The big data point is that we need to wait for the inflation numbers, the CPI numbers, which are coming out on the 14th of March. That is what is going to dictate for us what happens what, what happens um, at the Fed. The main thing for me, the main, main, main thing for me is that the stars are aligned in our favor, okay? I know this, I know this, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. So I do follow Marion Altman. She's been right more times than she's been wrong. I'll tell you that much. In fact, she's been right more times than anyone. She predicted the FT, she didn't predict the FTX collapse, but she predicted a market collapse at the same time FTX collapsed. Now she says as follows. She says, from now and until the middle of March, Venus and Jupiter are together in Aries. This is a rare union between two of the most positive planets, meaning it's a very abundant time to move forward with your goals. My goals are to make wife-changing money. No, I can't, I can't say that. Um, my goal is to make a lot of money. So therefore, um, we'll talk about it. Um, this this goes uh, um, this goes exact March one, but is relevant until March sixteen. So maybe those are going to be good days. And if they are going to be good days, that's probably why Bitcoin's pumping because she says March one, we're going to get a pump. Tomorrow's the last day before March 1. Who knows? Maybe we'll actually get a pump. Maybe we'll get, get a pump. People call her voodoo woman, but she's not a voodoo woman. She knows exactly what she's talking about. She's been right more times than, 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 than most others. Now, if we are going to get a pump in March, if we are, if you're of the opinion, like I am, that Joe Dog says, what about Uranus? Um, that, yeah, that is, yeah. So if you are of the opinion that we have actually broken this trade, because there are people on Twitter that still say, you know, this is a, a, a a bull market rally we're going to get a dump alex alex uh, alex um alex kruger called himself a what's his name not alex kruger what's what's his name our friend the the dj guy hold on i'll get you his name he says he called the market right of course um hold on let's quickly go let's quickly go there alex becker that's his name alex becker he says he called the market right he called the top let's see what happens i think i think he's declaring victory too soon it's like it's like you, you you're in a fight and then, you know, it's a 10, 10 rounds of a fight, but then you declare 
you declare victory after round three. We're not there yet. We still, this is just, a, a, in my mind, a temporary pullback. If you believe that March, April, May are going to be good months, then you need to be looking at what are the narratives that are bouncing and what narratives can expect to do well in those months, right? That's what you want to be doing. So that's what I'm looking at. And I'm seeing a couple of things happening. The first thing that I saw, which I think is very, very, very important, I've been watching the BitGet token. Now, yes, they are one of our sponsors, but that's not why I'm talking about their token. It's a very, very, very resilient token. It went down to 41 cents, but then it went up to 44 cents. It feels to me like BitGet is playing this whole Chinese narrative. I'm watching this one because it is quite, it's quite a resilient token. The other one, which is, look, it's not a popular token. I'll give you that much. It's not popular. But we did tell you to start watching it at about 55 cents. And I think I'm telling you to watch it again um, is Flex. Flex is CoinFlex. CoinFlex is the new exchange by Kyle and Suzu. We told you to buy it at 55 cents. You can see, even though the market went down, this token doesn't move. Now, I know it's not a popular token. We've discussed this. But remember, this is not a popularity contest. This is a, a contest about getting returns. It's not a, it's not a, a popularity contest. So, so it may be worth looking at because it is quite resilient. The other ones that I want to show you, um, some other narratives that I think are going to be good. Well, the one narrative, the, the narratives that I think are going to be good are exactly what this guy over here says. Not exactly what he says, but more or less. I do think that ETH is going to usher in a narrative now around this liquid staking derivatives. Now, remember, we spoke about this chart, this ETH BTC chart, breaking trend. You can see it broke trend. And we also know that we're getting the ETH Shanghai upgrade. Now, the ETH Shanghai upgrade will usher in a whole lot of narratives. And one of the narratives that will be ushered in is this, is this liquid staking derivatives narrative. Then there's another narrative which is made a play, which is this Bitcoin ecosystem, this Bitcoin layer two. Now, never did I thought that we would that we would have talk about a Bitcoin ecosystem because Bitcoin is not supposed to be an ecosystem. Bitcoin is supposed to be a store of value. Bitcoin is designed as a store of value. And I don't really want to be investing in a Bitcoin ecosystem, but we should talk about that because maybe there is a Bitcoin ecosystem investment narrative and maybe there isn't. You need to be smart on that. Then he talks about bridges. I don't think bridges are going to pump. Then he talks about main China coins. Of course, China coins are going to pump, and I'll show you in a second how they are already pumping. And then you've got the Arbitrum narrative. Arbitrum is a great narrative, and especially if we're going to get the Arbitrum airdrop soon. So you need to prepare yourself. March is about being prepared. You've got one more day in February to prepare for March. We need to be prepared for whatever the narrative throws us. And I think the first narrative that is going to be playing out in the market is this Bitcoin layer two narrative it was ushered in because of this bitcoin nfts which is called the ordinals right you all know that you all know ordinals for those of you who, who've been sleeping under a rock some guy or some project has found a way to create nfts on bitcoin now it's not exactly nfts on bitcoin i explained to you why because the nfts aren't exactly on chain all he does all this protocol does is it has found a way to identify individual sets. So, you know, like when I send you a set, one set is supposed to be equal to another set, is supposed to be equal to another set. That's the fungibility of Bitcoin, right? But actually, what this project does is it kind of puts a lens above the Bitcoin blockchain and allows you to identify each individual set. And if you do that, what you're actually doing is you're making one Bitcoin set different from another Bitcoin set. Amir is late. Wow. Okay, let's just quickly do roll call. Make sure everyone's here because Amir's late. If, if, if Amir's late, it could mean that a lot of other people are late. So just let me know if you're here. Uh, Banter Girl, if you're here, I need to know. I haven't seen you today. I need to know if you're present. Brief Crypto, if you're here, let me know you're present. Um, Ted Wrigley, not sure if you're here, but if you are, just say present. Johnny, if you're here, just say present. C, just say present. Arena, if you're here, just say present. I think I think Arena's not here. She hasn't, she hasn't been present for a while. We've got to check in on her in Ukraine. Um, yes, okay. So please don't be late for class again, guys. You know, we, 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 we can't be late. Okay, so this Bitcoin ordinals narrative, this Bitcoin ordinals project, all of a sudden got everybody wide awake. Jo Joby's here. I can see Joby's here. Joby's always here. He's here. He's on our Twitter. We know him. He's here. He's, Phil is here. I can see Dean of DeFi is here. David Rosen is here. Okay, good. So most of the class are here. The rest of the girls, the, the rest of the class will be punished. Especially the girls, he'll be punished too um, at some point. Uh, 
banter world tour coming up soon um okay but this the show is also going to get banned off youtube um okay so am i not centered in the picture james i told you i did tell you this okay so um this ordinals project starts this whole bitcoin narrative around bitcoin layer twos yes it's a very smart project and it does create hype around the bitcoin blockchain because bitcoin now is no longer a store of value but you can actually do cool shit on bitcoin like you can actually create nfts the bitcoin maximalists are like they are against this nft thing they don't like this nft this nft thing they're saying bitcoin must be a store of value and you know you can't have um uh, uh um you can't have the bitcoin blockchain destroyed by by these by this disordinals but it's not up to them because the truth is we can all use blockchains for whatever we want to use blockchains and no one can tell us what to use blockchains for right and that's where the bitcoin maxis are wrong anyway 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 so now people believe that because of ordinals all of a sudden there could be this bitcoin layer two narrative popping out and people are starting to invest in this layer two narrative so let me show you a good example stacks what is stacks Stacks is effectively a Bitcoin layer two, which allows for smart contracts, okay? It's a very interesting project. It was the first ICO that was actually regulated by the SEC. It was the first American compliant ICO. Big, big, big thumbs up to these guys, okay? The problem is that if I look at Stacks right now, I see two things, two alarm bells around Stacks, which is why I'm warning you about it. So one is I go to Stacks and I say, okay, what's the fully diluted market cap of Stacks? $2 billion, $1.6 billion. Now, I don't know if I want to be buying stacks at $1.6 billion. I mean, I have to take my hat off to people like Hellpress, who told people to buy stacks at 40 cents. Um, he, he now says, if you know, you know, it's actually going to $10 long term. Now, it could. But if you believe in smart contracts on blockchain, stacks is by far, by far, by far the best bet. But... Would I be buying stacks at a $1.6 billion market cap? Probably not. Then I'll show you the other alarm bell that I have is this alarm bell over here. So let's we can just go to it, st stacks USD. And then I look at where the prices come from. Now, you know, generally I don't buy big green dildos. I don't do that. Okay. It's not, it's not where I shop. Um, but I mean, that's quite a big move. 244% in 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 how long is that 15th of feb generally I, i've been taught not to buy these things i went to sniper school they taught me not to buy these big green candles the other thing about this pump is i looked to see where the volume is coming from and guess what surprise the koreans have found it you see the asians have found it if you look at the volume on on upbit four stacks it is now almost three times the volume on the entire Binance worldwide comes from this Asian exchange. Now, remember what we said. The problem is with the Asians. Okay, it's like bees. But the problem with these bees is that these bees speak a different language. So you don't know when they're going to leave and go to the next flower, right? Because you, you're not in touch with these bees. It's different. You, you and I are in touch with the Western bees. Now, we don't know when these Asian people are going to move away from this pump. Now. I don't think that this is one to be buying. I do think it's a great protocol. If you believe that 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 Bitcoin chain should be used for layer two narratives, I think it's amazing. Go and buy yourself some stacks, but I wouldn't be buying it right now. I wouldn't be buying it right now. I'll show you another one. That Okay, so then you've got our, our Riff. Riff is actually the old RSK, which is also smart contracts on the, on the Bitcoin blockchain, but they changed it to be identity and storage. Um, don't like the protocol, never done anything. Not on my shopping list at all. Sov is DeFi on Bitcoin. Not a bad protocol, but you know, also never 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 aroused me in any in, in, in any way whatsoever. Um basically when I look at this, it's quite a what's the word? I mean I don't like it's like it's like quite a nice ecosystem. It's very small. I mean I wouldn't be buying BCH. I wouldn't be buying PNT. Like this is not a shopping list for me. So I think what you sh we should do is we should congratulate the people that got the stacks run. If you think that the Bitcoin DeFi narrative is something that you want to be involved in, then I suggest that you do nibble on stacks. But don't buy it now because you don't want to be you don't want to be the one buying 
at the top of a pump and then also buying an Asian pump. You, you don't want to be doing that. So yeah, I'm, I may be wrong, but in this case, I'm leaving stacks alone. I'm out. I'm not buying it. I do though believe that there will be some kind of smart contract activity on Bitcoin at some point. And I want to be there when it does, but I'm not buying it now. Of course, that's the first narrative. The second narrative, as I said to you, for March, hold on, let me just switch off my email. People sending me emails during the show, very rude. Um, okay, let's talk about the second narrative for March. The second narrative for March is around this tweet from Chris Berniski. He says, after almost two years of consolidation, two years of not doing anything, as you can see, let's quickly go to the ETH BTC chart and just test that Chris knows what he's talking about. So we go to the one week chart and we go back two years and you can see that really for two years, the ETH BTC narrative's done nothing. It's like nothing. It's like if you would have bought the ETH against BTC over here, nothing would have happened for two years. But it does look like finally, 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 we have a, that little breakout of the trend. Now, that's pretty interesting, okay? The interesting part of it is that why does the ETH BTC chart break out on the same month where we're getting the ETH Shanghai upgrade? Remember, the charts always preempt the news. And we're getting the ETH Shanghai upgrade. Now, the biggest part of the ETH Shanghai upgrade, which happened sometime in March or April, is that the ETH that are locked up in the contract that validates the ETH will actually be withdrawable. Now, they're not all going to be withdrawable all at once, but over time, you will be able to withdraw your ETH from the contract. Now, some people think that that's a bad thing because there are so many ETH staked in the contract. In fact, if you go to stakingrewards.com, what you'll see is that right now there is 200, sorry, $29 billion worth of ETH staked in the contract, earning 3.71%. Not the best return in the world. You can actually get, um, sorry, 3.94%. You can actually get better returns investing in one-year government bonds. So people think that, some people think that this money will be withdrawn and it'll hit the market. Other people say, this is a great opportunity. Irina's here. She's present. Irina's here. She's present. Fantastic. I was worried. Um, I've been hearing a lot of stories about what's going on in Ukraine. But, you know, Irina's here and she's present. Amazing. Irina, just say present. We say this how in class we say present. Um, okay, so Chris and Sheldon both saw the trend. Um, I don't know if you watch Sheldon's show. If you didn't watch Sheldon's show, go and watch Sheldon's show. Good show. Um, he saw the trend. Chris saw the trend. ETH does look like it's going to break out. Also, the RSI here on ETH is completely in oversold territory. ETH against Bitcoin, right? So it could mean that ETH is about to have a run. And if ETH has a run, it's not going to be a run of just ETH. It's going to be a run of ETH and a whole lot of other tokens. And that's one thing that I saw uh, around here. Now, if we get this ETH staking narrative, we do know that the liquid staking protocols that have run quite a bit may continue to run because if you can withdraw your staked ETH, that means that more people are going to have the, the conviction and the guts to stake because your, your ETH are not locked up. And that's why things like Lido, Rocket Pool, Frax, Anchor, those are all going to start running. Then there are a couple of other ones that are going to run. I don't really necessarily agree with this whole thing. I think stake-wise might, might be a good thing. But we've got to keep our eyes on an ETH run. And if the ETH, if ETH starts running, then... Um, uh, a whole lot of ETH-related tokens are going to run. So I think one that might be overlooked is ENS. So you know, ENS is the ETH um, naming services token. Let's quickly just go there. I haven't checked it out for a while. M mark my words on this Flex token. I know it's not, as I said before, I know it's, it's a popularity. It, it doesn't win the popularity narrative, but it, I think that the supply of this is tightly held, and I think that it might actually run. And it, again, I said it doesn't win the popularity narrative. You see, so ETH naming services, it's already run 5.6% today. Um, that's one that, that might also run. The ETH liquid staking protocols might also run, as I said to you. Um, let's quickly just go look at, at what's happened there. One interesting thing about these liquid staking protocols is that if you look at the total value locked on ETH, for the first time in a long time, or I think actually ever, the liquid staking protocols have got more money in them than the lending protocols. Now, what that basically shows is that validation services on ETH are becoming bigger than DeFi services on ETH, which is which is quite big. When I say DeFi, I mean lending. lending. And I think this number is going to shoot up. And when this number shoots up, you got to watch a few tokens. 
You got to watch Rocket Pool. You got to watch FXS, Frax. If Frax goes down, um, like for me, if if we if you can get a good deal on Frax, let's quickly look at just look at FXS. It's a great ecosystem. They also changed how their stablecoin, which used to be algorithmic, is no longer an algorithmic stablecoin. It's a fully collateralized stablecoin now. Um, I think it's even an over collateralized stablecoin now. For me, look, I still don't want to buy this pump. If if we do get a pullback to like eight or nine dollars, I would I would start loading up on Frax. Although I don't think we're going to get there. That's pretty much the levels that I'd be looking at. Um, a lot of people are starting to stake. Um, Justin Sun, he decided to stake 150,000 ETH. I mean, get that, 150,000 ETH. Where does he go and stake it? He goes and stakes it like an asshole in the most, in the biggest validator, which is which is Lido, in the biggest protocol. So it's like, you go to a protocol which already has a huge market share, 74.56% market share, and then you go and stake 150,000 ETH there. I mean, what are you doing, dude? Anyway, to, to stop this, Lido set like a staking limit thing to stop Justin Sun and other people from, from doing something like this. So they are taking steps. I do think we need to watch this narrative. The ETH Shanghai upgrade is coming this month. When it comes, this is going to be, there is going to be movement. So we discussed, we're not big fans of the Bitcoin ecosystem narrative. We don't think that one's going to work. We are looking at BitKet token. We are looking at Flex token, even though it didn't win the popularity contest. Um, we are looking at Ethereum. We are looking at liquid staking protocols. We are. Okay. Yes. For who was late, needs to write a thousand line in the comments. A thousand line. I shall not be late. All right. Um, yeah, let's talk about this. We have to talk about this. And I didn't want to bring this up so soon because I think, you know, we're not at that stage of our relationship. But let's talk about this. Okay. So apparently Solana are having a vote today to change their working hours. They are looking to do Mondays, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Tuesdays, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Wednesdays, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. And they're looking to be closed on weekends. It's not true. It's not true. But we did have a Solana outage this weekend again. Um, the network was down for 20 hours. They did try twice to, to get it up, right? So first time they tried to get it up, didn't actually work. Second time they tried to get it up, but actually did work. Problem is that now the Solana network was down for like 20 hours. If you were trying to, to transact on Solana, it was down for like 20 hours. Now I know this because some of the DJs in our office were trying to sell some step-in tokens and they couldn't sell their step-in tokens because the Solana network was down. So not, not a great look for Solana. We thought that these issues that Solana was having were over, but what happened here was they try to re they try to upgrade the network. They try to do a software upgrade to the network. Um, from they were upgrading from version one point one three to one point one four, and then what happened was that the network crashed. So look, it's not a train smash, but it's it's getting a little bit frustrating with Solana. Like you know how 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 much can we tolerate in terms of network reliability? How much can we tolerate? In terms of downtime, like if you think to yourself, if this was the world's financial system built on a blockchain, wasn't such a good look. Okay, now I'm not saying that it is the end of Solana. In fact, you can see from a price point of view, Solana didn't move. But I am saying that it's not a good look anymore. Solana needs to sort this stuff out. Now, I read this thread, which was kind of interesting for me. I'll be honest. So it says, look, yesterday Solana had another 20 hour outage. Just one of about a dozen times that the chain has gone down, but why? He says it's all part of a massive design flaws that, and he'll break it down in the thread. Very interesting thread. I want to take you through the thread. He says, Solana, as well as a couple of other chains, handle all their consensus on chain. What this means is that validator communications are also done as chains on trans uh, as transactions on the chain. What this means is that if on Solana, unlike on Ethereum, all the communication between the validators is actually done as a transaction on chain okay so what you can see is that the actual transactions on solana are the pink transactions but the green ones are the transactions on are the are the messages sent from validator to validator okay now he says the real part is validator messages votes typically make up 90 percent he says crazy, right? So when Solana mentions they're doing 4,000 transactions per second, only 10% are actual transactions. The numbers aren't made up. That is just how the consensus protocol actually works. 
So why do the validators send messages? Because this is how they achieve consensus. Validators communicate, sending messages to one another. And when they agree, they put a they put the transaction through. He says, well, the problem with Solana, well, one of the many is that they handle consensus on chain. So validators send messages on chain. We, we, we discussed this. Problem is that when the chain goes down, they have no way of communicating with one another. So what do they do? Well, they go to Discord and they try and start up the chain on Discord. And that is what happened. And unfortunately, that is what led to a 20-hour outage of the network because the chain can only restart once 80% of the validators are back online. And the problem is that sometimes, because of time zones, the validators aren't online. So that is what happened with Solana. The chain's back. It's working. You can sell your step-in if you want to sell your step-in. It's all working now. Everything's fine. But it's just not a good look. It's just not a good look, especially now in 2023. Like We, we forgave Solana in 2022. But I think in 2023... We must be a little bit more critical. I'm still a fan of Solana. I haven't sold one Solana. I'm not planning on selling my Solana. I'm just saying we need to be a little bit more critical because now we're in 2023. And you know how it is. 2023, we have to be much more critical. Um, all right. I want to take you through something else which I saw this weekend, which was absolutely brilliant. Okay. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Not someone that I talk about on the show a lot, but someone that runs a podcast called the What Bitcoin Did Podcast. Now, Peter McCormack, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Peter McCormack. We know each other. Um, he's a Bitcoin maxi. I'm not a Bitcoin maxi, quite clearly. Anyone that knows me will know that. Um, you're not Bitcoin maxis if you're here. So we know that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. But he interviewed Michael Sonnenschein. Michael Sonnenschein is the CEO of Grayscale. Now, Grayscale is part of the DCG group, which is now going through a whole lot of problems because of the Gemini Genesis debacle. And it seems like Michael Sonnenschein who hasn't done interviews for a long time, is finally on a PR tour, okay? Now, as a CEO of Grayscale, he's probably going on a PR tour. Why? Because they are in a court case with the SEC around making Grayscale the first ETF. And so generally what you do is if you're in a court case, you go on a PR tour because then you try and sway public opinion. You try and get support. And maybe even like hope that the judge is going to be listening to, to, to your podcast or, or, or on Twitter and seeing all of this, right? Now, Peter McCormack invited Michael Sonnenschein for a podcast. Now, we've been asking Michael to come on our show for a long time. He didn't come on our show. He wasn't doing interviews. But now he's back on this PR tour. <laughs> that was, but in those days, it was just me with a little kid. I don't know, do you even remember it? We did it in London. Um, you I'm, gonna, I'm an honest guy. I don't remember it. Did you know you'd been on before? I did know I'd been on right, before, okay. but I'm impressed that it was five years ago. Wow. Yeah. It's, so you were at a conference in London. Okay. Um, and I can't remember who reached out to who. Probably me in those days. And I turned up with my little case, set up my microphones. So the interview started off very warm and fuzzy. Very, very warm and fuzzy. And in fact, you can hear here that this whole thing about the PR tour is actually real. The markets. How's that? All right. So uh, are you here for an interview or is this a PR tour? I think we're here for an interview. Isn't that what you asked for? You asked. Actually, do you want funny? Danny, Danny... Danny's the producer. He runs the show. Yeah. How, when was it? Like four weeks ago, you messaged me. He's like, Something like that. He's like, you know, I think it's we should try and get really Michael back on the show. I was like, he's not going to come on the show. There's zero chance he's going to come on your show. Then was it you who reached out to me or? It could, it could, have, it could have been one of our agency partners. Yeah. yeah. And they reached out and said, do you want Michael on the show? And we're like, yeah, absolutely. I just assume you wouldn't want to. I didn't think you would be doing it. So, so far, it's all warm and fuzzy. It's a PR tour and you know, Michael's there. And you know, at some point, you can see what happens is they, they get a whole lot of beers. So here we go. I mean, this is, this, this is quite a pivotal moment. You can see there's beers on the table. Had different amounts of um, you know, investor interest, different market cycles that they were launched. And then Peter gets a little bit hairy. And go fast forward. And you got to hear this because this is where it gets really, really interesting. Peter starts asking him a whole lot of really, really, really tough questions. Here's some of them. Let's go through this. This is going to blow your mind. Questions that's come out is uh, whether Genesis was offering uncollateralized loans to large investors on the understanding that they would then buy GBTC. So remember, Genesis is a lending company. And they the, the accusations are that they were giving uncollateralized loans to people like Gemini, to people like Three Arrows Capital, to people like a whole of others. And they were taking this and they were investing in GBDC. Now, why is that so important? Because if Genesis 
and GBTC are part of the same group. And the one is giving a loan, Genesis is giving a loan to someone so that they can buy GBTC and create more fees for the group. Well, that could be seen as very unethical, right? This is where it gets pear-shaped. Are you aware of this? I am not privy to the loans that are going on or that were going on at Genesis. What I certainly can confirm is that when investors were making investments into Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, um, they were doing it either by investing cash, in which case the cash would go out and buy the right amount of Bitcoin. Sometimes they were investing with Bitcoin um, and that was you know, adding up to a certain number of shares. Or in other instances, they might have been borrowing Bitcoin uh, to be able to add some leverage into the trade that they were doing. And sometimes those loans could have come from Genesis, but they also could have come okay, from so loans that they obtained. He starts accusing him. And then it gets really hairy. So let me go a little bit fast forward. Scale product. So you're saying Genesis weren't offering uncollateralized loans as long as they bought GBTC? I have no idea the collateral requirements that Genesis was asking of somebody if they were borrowing coins for GBTC is what I'm saying. But I mean, you're aware of this now, though. I've heard about it and we're talking about it today that that certain people were saying that the collateral requirements were either off market or were, you know, atypical if they knew the proceeds were that. But I am not aware of what the collateral requirements were that somebody um, was dealing with. If they were taking a borrow from Genesis, they were dealing with someone at Genesis, not someone at Grayscale. We don't have a loan book. We don't loan. No, no, I get, right. I get, I get all know. that. But you know who these customers are. You you know who 3AC are. You know who these people are. And they would have been really significant nervous. customers of Grayscale. So what kind of due diligence do you perform on these companies when they're making such significant purchases? The absolute largest and most extensive due diligence we can do. AML, KYC, source of funds, government-issued IDs. You know. So the customers that buy GBTC, they're saying he does a very stringent KYC. He knows exactly what these customers are. Source of funds, where did they get the money from? That's what he said, right? Now, listen to this. I, I, I tell you what. I find hard to believe, and I don't expect you to uh, give give me the answer that I I, I think I, I'm wanting here. But I I find it very hard to believe that yeah, there's billions of loans being issued by Genesis, which is then being immediately used to purchase GBTC, and that you wouldn't be aware that this is a relationship and an offer that was made specific. I just find that really hard to believe. Totally separate companies, totally separate businesses. But the unifying factor is Barry. And I would find it very hard to believe that he doesn't talk to both CEOs to discuss this arrangement. I just find it very hard to believe. I mean, it's, you've worked with Barry since 2000, whenever. I mean, it's yeah. market. I, just find, Barry I would is, find that very hard to believe. Barry is a visionary. Barry is an incredible investor. Um, Barry is not an operator, right? Barry is not someone that is telling myself and the rest of the Grayscale management team what to do day to day or really any of the operating subsidiaries. Um, that's how and why Barry has amassed for DCG the largest and our... So he says, well, Barry Silbert, who's, who's the CEO of DCG Group, which owns Gem Genesis and Gemini, Never connected these people together. Okay, cool. That's fine. Let's just go a little bit fast forward. And let's let's just go a little bit for a little bit more. Listen to this. Maybe one of a multitude of factors that ultimately led to their demise. So to take it as far as everything that's now transpiring between Genesis and Gemini is not something that grayscale. We're not party to this. The Okay, uh, let me put it a different way. What you know and what you're willing to say you know are probably two very different things. They're I'm not. Longing the tooth. You have a you have a PR person with you. This is a PR tour. You've got rehearsed lines. I look. I get it. I, I don't. We're having a conversation. No, no, no. I, can, no I get it. I just. I, I I reckon there is a difference between what you know and what you're willing to say you know. I. But what I would say is. Any P, any PR <laughs> I, I, you have will not save 
your soul from what's happened to all these people. There are people I've received their emails. They're heartbreaking. I can't imagine how heartbreaking they are. And some of their money is now in the Grayscale Trust. Their money was, as I understand the way that Gemini Earn and Genesis worked, was that when you clicked an earn button I'm in Gemini. About Genesis loans that were uncollateralized as well. We can't just all, always flip this, uh, flip this back to Gemini. I'm not. So you're trying to tell me that you think that somebody er lent money from Gemini to Genesis and Genesis lent it into a Grayscale product? That's I'm exactly telling that. you large loans that were offered uncollateralized went towards buying Grayscale shares and then those grayscale shares, grayscale shares were then used to post as collateral elsewhere. But how are you trying to say that somebody's Gemini earned deposit made its way into a grayscale product? Because those funds were stored with Genesis, and then Genesis used those as part of their assets under management, and they used those to loan out. So Genesis had an... Okay, so now I'm going to take it a little bit forward. I'm going to take it a little bit forward. Intrinsically linked through being in the group, through Barry through the arrangements that were offered to people who offered large uncollateralized loans. Those large uncollateralized loans ended up in the Grayscale Trust. Therefore, the AUM you have and the interest being earned has come from that unethical behavior. Okay, well, I'll tell you again what I said earlier, which is that I am and we are at Grayscale not aware of special arrangements that were given to customers that borrowed from Genesis that were using those borrows to invest in Grayscale products, the terms that Genesis offered to their counterparties was terms that... So he carries on, and then Peter goes to the jugular. you got to hear this. You're lying or you're incompetent, but you should have known. Wow. I, I just feel like you should. If you're the CEO of this company and you have interrelationships with companies like Genesis... You should know this. And because of this, there's been very severe consequences for a range of people. People's lives have been destroyed. So you sound like you're on a little bit of a fishing expedition. I again reiterate to you, um, everything I've shared with you is wholesome and truthful. Um, and again, I'm disappointed that my answers are, aren't satisfactory to you. And then the last thing it says is, is that they're fighting for the Bitcoin ETF because they want to do good for the world and good for the industry. And, and then what Peter says is, you don't want to do good for the world. You want to do good for your fees. You want to do good for, for yourselves. You don't care about the world and the industry. And I think he's right. I think that's why Grayscale want the ETF. Part of something that fixes that for those people who've lost their money. Otherwise, why should anyone give a fuck about your lawsuit? We are... Because the lawsuit isn't about your investors. It's about your company. It's about access to wider liquidity. <laughs> of course it is. Okay. You know what? I would ask you to do this. For your next 10, 20, 100 podcasts, find another person in crypto who reputationally, who professionally is bold enough to sue the harshest and most hard-hitting regulator in the world and dude should live in new york city no 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 no. find <laughs> someone else in crypto that is bold enough that wants to do the right thing enough that they're going to devote all of their energies all of their time all of everything their business is doing to suing the regulator that oversees every element of their business but that, you're not going to you're not going to find one. That's not bravery. That's business. You're spending funds on litigation. I've been involved in litigation, personal litigation. Bravery is what I've seen when I've been to the border. Peter, of every the border. other person who approaches this regulator ends up being the recipient. So they go, 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 and then it ends off. Hold on, you got to hear this. No, I, I think an ETF would be good for Bitcoin. I, I agree with that. And I wish you the best on the law. So I really do. I think we can leave it at that. Awesome. Good to chat. Good to chat. Sounds like a breakup. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Um, yeah, so that was, that's what happens, guys, when a PR tour goes wrong. You just saw it firsthand. That's what happens when a company goes on a PR tour.
And in the, their first interview, the PR tour goes completely, completely wrong. So they are suing the SEC though. And I don't know if you saw Gary Gensler this weekend, but Gary Gensler this weekend came out and said that anything, actually, let me just make sure that I get this right because I don't, I don't want to mess up my, my thing. He said an interview with NYMAG, pretty much every sort of crypto transaction already falls under the SEC jurisdiction, except spot transactions in Bitcoin itself and the actual purchase and sell of cryptos. Everything other than Bitcoin goes into the SEC. Now, I think he's jumped the gun a little bit. What he's trying to do is he's saying, look, he knows he can't regulate Bitcoin because that's under the CFTC because that's already been ruled that it's not a security. But he's trying to get his, his, his dirty, smelly fingers on everything else. He's trying to get his dirty, smelly paws on everything else, right? So that's what he's doing. Don't fall for the shit because it's not true. Jake Chavinsky's lawyer says, Gary Gensler may have prejudged that every single digital asset aside from Bitcoin is security, but his opinion is not law. The SEC lacks authority to regulate any of them until and unless it proves its case in a court for each asset, every single one, individually, one at a time. So, yes, he is coming after crypto, but it doesn't automatically mean that he gets... Ignore what he says. Ignore what he says because he's he's trying to get jurisdiction from the U.S. government to regulate crypto because he's he's just one of those people, right? But 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 he can't just do that. So we also have Janet Yellen who came out this weekend. Also said she says the U.S. has no plans to ban crypto, but they will implement a strong re regulatory framework. So what you can see is you can see that there is a strong regulatory framework coming out on Bitcoin. Okay, cool. Let's move on because there's so much to talk about. So, and I want to show you also how to trade options today. So let's try finishes. Remember in December, we said we had everybody on the show and we said, what do you think is going to be the best five tokens of the year? Remember we, we asked people like Ishan, Vinny, Arthur Hayes, Haseeb, Jose, Ran, Richard Hart, Sandeep, Avishal, Sheldon, Miles, Jordi, BitBoy, Raulpol, Harry Yev, Shachabagev and CTO Larson and Kyle. And so we asked them, we said, what do you think is going to be the best performing tokens in 2023? But it's still early in the race. But so far, here are the results. So Ishan is in the lead. He's got 139% uh, portfolio gain. The reason is because he said Kanto. You see, so Kanto, he said Gains Network, Lido, Frax, Polygon, and Kanto. Okay, so he is in the lead. Then number two is Vinny. Vinny said Filecoin and Render, I bet you. Render, Filecoin, you see? So Vinny is, is number two, believe it or not. Uh, then Arthur Hayes, he said GMX, looks rare, Lido, and X2Y to an ENS. So he said that. Um, I'm coming in eighth place. I'm coming in eighth place. Um, but remember, this is, uh, sorry, I'm coming in sixth place. I'm coming in sixth place. Um, remember that this is, this is, we're only like, one and a half months in so this is where we're at just wanted to show you that we are monitoring our calls i've got a feeling that kyle's gonna do okay he's now he's he's not doing very well in the race he because he said polygon ultra energy web token no, but these are i mean come on bro chain link and are we've kyle is good at technicals i don't think he's a good picker of of altcoins he's very good at technicals but i don't think he, he's a good picker of altcoins cto last said bitcoin ethereum bnb thought chain polygon speaking of thought chain I think this one may be undervalued. I'll show you why. In terms of TVL, it's broken its all-time high in terms of TVL, even higher than May last year. So just think about like, while most projects are losing TVL, this one is actually is actually doing well. Kyle's last for now. He's not lost because it's it's like it's like you in a marathon and we're all running in a marathon and we've just done like 10 kilometers of the marathon, five kilometers of the marathon. And then you look at the back of the pack, you say you're coming last. It doesn't work like that. Um I won't win it by the end of the year, Gabby. I think I chose the wrong tokens, but have to stick with my have to stick with my my tokens. Okay, um, let us. I also saw this, which was super important. One of the tokens that I really like is Dopex because I like on-chain options. Okay, and they raised four thousand eight hundred and eight ETH after one and a half years of expenses and building and branding and connecting. They have six thousand one hundred twenty-seven ETH, which means that they're actually making a profit as a as a um, as a protocol. And I really like this protocol. It's about $300. I think that, let's quickly look at it. Um, 
This is one. This is one that I've got in my portfolio. It is one of my biggest positions. I won't lie to you. Um, let's have a look here. So Dopex currently about three hundred seventy dollars. Oh, 392. It's up today. Up today, $392. It was $350 this morning. Why is it up so much today? I'm not sure. Um, it is doing very, very, very well. Um, because it is it is this whole this whole um ETH. Um, sorry, it is this old options narrative. Now, speaking of options, I keep telling you guys I'm gonna show you how to use Deribit, um, our partner, to buy options and to be like a huge whale trader because remember up until now it's only been the institutions and very few retail investors that actually use options but actually options are one of the most powerful tools that you can have to to make money in crypto without going into leverage now of course you can do leverage problem is you know what happens with leverage your account can get wiped there is a, another way of doing it which is safer and gives you very 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 good returns it gives you a leverage return and that way is using options so I'm going to show you using ETH options, what how these options work. You go you go into Deribit, you open an account. There's a referral link below. You then you can trade Bitcoin options or ETH options. Now, every option has a few things. It has a strike price, and it has a date. So I'm going to just show you very simply how it works. So, if we take an option on the let's go to December again. We used December last time. Let's use it again because it's about a year from now. And you say, okay, let me look at these options. Now, the strike price of the option is the price at which the option gets exercised. Okay, so right now, the price of Ethereum is, let's we can look at the price of ETH, ETH, USD. Um, right now, the price of ETH is 1,650. Now, what if you think that the price of ETH is going to go up, but you don't have enough money to buy an Ethereum? What do you do? Well, you can leverage. The problem is with leverage, it goes up and down, up and down, and eventually you'll, you, will get, you will get liquidated out of the system. But that can't happen with options, okay? So let me show you. If you think the price of ETH on the 29th of December, 2023, is going to be higher than it is today, and you don't have enough money to buy an Ethereum today, then what you can do is you can just buy an option. So you go, you go to $1,600. You can see that the price of an option is somewhere between 301 because the bid is 301 and the ask is 512. So the mark price right now is somewhere in between them. And you can buy an option or you can buy half of an option. I think you can, no, you can't buy half an option. I think you can only buy uh, full options. I think we, 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 might, we must actually check that out. But by putting down an amount which is less than one ETH, by putting, you get all the upside. So I made a spreadsheet for you guys to show you exactly how it works. And I said, every, every, um, option has a strike date, which is a date at which the option gets struck. It has a option price. It has a strike price. It has the price on the date. So let's take an example. If we buy a $1,600 ETH option, which expires in a year, if ETH goes above $1,600, we make money. If ETH goes below $1,600, we lose the amount that we bought on the option. But the, the thing is that if it goes up, if ETH goes up to say $4,000, we make $2,400 on the price of ETH because our strike price is $1,600. And then we make an extra $1,883. Now, that is the same as getting a leverage returns without actually using leverage. So I'm going to leave this spreadsheet for you guys in the, in the description. But it does show you how you can achieve leverage positions, long and short, without actually leveraging. So you can't actually get liquidated, which is the problem. The problem is that you can actually get liquidated when you use futures, um, um, but you can't get, but you can't get um, liquidated when you use options, which is why it might be a safer way to get leverage. And we're going to be focusing a lot on options. Today, I've showed you a call option, which is the right to buy. Tomorrow, I'll show you what happens if you want to, if you think the price of ETH is going to go down and you want to sell. Now, to get this done, you need to open an account on Deribit. And there's a link below. Open the account because for the next couple of days, we're going to be trading options and you need to have an account if you want to, if you want to trade with us. And I'll show you how you can make money trading options. Cool. Amazing. We have like 30 seconds left. Let me check the market. 23,824. We are recovering very well. I bet you if I quickly go and look at the Dixie. 
the Dixie is probably coming down and that's why everybody's calmed down to a flat panic. 103.7 exactly as I said. Remember, you have 24 hours if you want to win the Rolexes. 24 hours left tomorrow after the show, at the end of the show. I'm going to point, I'm going to put 10 account numbers from Bybit and 10 account numbers from BitGet in the Discord where there's a referral link below. The first person to email us and verify their account wins the prize. We have to give the prize away tomorrow because it's the last day of February. And that's when we said we're going to give it away. I will see you guys again tomorrow. Hopefully, by the time that happens, Bitcoin is at 24,500. ETH is at 1,700. The altcoins are, are pumping and everyone's happy. But if not, I'll still be here anyway. So I'll see you then. Until then, trade well, my friends.